social anxiety, it's actually a bully. Social anxiety tells us so many lies. And it really like, it's a form of letting our brains and our anxiety take control over our lives and really actually torture ourselves and beat ourselves up. In Your Element is a teen-hosted podcast covering conversations with our allies. I'm your host, Abby Jones, and I get to chat with some of the most inspiring educators, creators, and changemakers reflecting on their teen years, what makes them feel the most in their element daily, and things that they wish they had known as a teenager. This podcast is a sister organization with The Element Collective. The Element Collective hosts virtual and in-person workshops providing mindfulness, movement, creativity, fun, and other tools that high school-age girls need to love themselves, own their authenticity, and tap into who they truly are. More approachable than traditional group therapy or school clubs, Element Collective founders Mary Allard and Kylie Roswell base their approach on the five elements and create a safe and playful environment for girls to connect with themselves and others. Because when each of us are in our element, magic happens. If you're interested in being a part of any of the Element Collective events or joining our Element community, like me hosting this podcast, or even Gabby who produced the music that you're hearing now, you can follow this podcast wherever you listen Connect with us on Instagram at Element Collective or check us out at elementcollective.com. That's E-L-L-E-M-E-N-T Collective. Hi, so nice to meet you and get to talk to you today. I have been looking forward to it a lot. I know that you have a really popular podcast, and so I've been super excited. Hi, thank you for having me, Abby. I am super excited to be here and talk to your podcast listeners. So I think that's a, it's going to be a fun conversation and a fun experience to be here. So thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, yeah. So you host a podcast. Tell me what your podcast is, and then we'll go a bit more into the fact that you're a teen life coach, which I think is absolutely awesome. Yeah, so I am the host of the Teen Life Coach podcast. And, um, well, <clears throat> let me give you a backstory. It's really, I struggled with anxiety and depression all growing up. And then, I mean, I basically struggled with it for my whole life. And then, yeah. um, as I've had my own kids, I have really kind of like been trying to help them. And there's just so many things that I look back now and I'm like, I wish I knew that growing up or I wish somebody would have told me or I wish somebody would have just said these words to me. And I think that's really where the podcast comes from for me is teaching the teens things that I wish I would have known so that I didn't have to go through so much unnecessary suffering, torture that I caused myself, like self-abuse. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the podcast it really stems from that. And my purpose is just to share like my experiences and help teens know like, hey, you're not alone. This is why your brain is doing the thing that it's doing. And there's all these struggles that teens have. And so really the podcast is just going through those struggles and helping them understand them and find tools that will help them with those. So finding tools to help with is really important. 
those will come from like life experiences, of course. And my mom is a life coach and she has a bunch of certifications for all of it. But she also has a lot of friends who have gone through a lot of tough stuff in their life and they have a lot of really good advice. So would you say that to be a life coach, you have to have those certifications and all of that? Like what makes a life coach? Yeah, such a good question. I think the simplest way that I can explain, we can all be life coaches, right? Every one of us can coach somebody on certain things in their lives just because of experiences that we've gone through. Like, well, I know that you've had experiences in your life, right? That you can then go coach one of your friends through and be like, hey, this is what worked for me or this is what helped me. Really, everybody can be a life coach. I am certified through the life coach school and I, um, I was in therapy a lot in my life and I'm still in therapy right now. I have a daughter who has anxiety and OCD and I work with a therapist who teaches me how to parent a child with anxiety and OCD. And so therapists have been invaluable in my life at certain points in my life. My last stint in therapy, like my therapist was kind of like, you're good. And I was kind of like, but not really. (laughs) Like now what am I supposed to do? So that's where life coaching came in is I experienced it in my own life and with my anxiety. So I was like, well, I'm just going to get certified because I need to raise my kids with this because they have anxiety. And that was my sole purpose in certifying just because I wanted to have the knowledge in in a different depth than actually being a client of a life coach. That's really kind of where my business started from was I had the desire just to be able to teach my kids. And that's why I received the education that I did because all four of my kids have anxiety in some shape or form. Thanks to me, like it's a little bit, a little bit. It is a lot genetic. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so just, just knowing that this is going to be a struggle for my kids going forward, I needed the tools and the framework to be able to parent them and really help them be successful and be able to be resilient through their anxiety and not like take their anxiety away and remove discomfort from their lives, but really teach them how to move through it and overcome it. I guess I don't know if that answers your original question. (laughs) I don't even remember what it was, but I liked it. I like the answer, so. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I think also some people want to know, like, what's the difference between therapy and life coaching? And a lot of times I just say the more tools that you can have, the better, Right. Right. With anything that you're struggling with, like sometimes the tools that are taught in therapy can be really useful to you. And sometimes the tools that are taught in life coaching, along with your coach's life experience, those can also be helpful too. Right. So it's just, it's just another mode of teaching skills and helping people reframe their thoughts so that they can feel differently. And there's quite a bit of overlap, I would say, between therapy and life coaching. I guess in my mind, because I've never done a life coaching training or anything like that. And so I see my mom doing life coaching and I'm like, she's like a therapist. But life coaches, I guess, help you and your future and therapists generally help in present and past. 
That's another really good way to describe it. Some life coaches and therapists describe it that way. There are actually a lot of therapists who are also life coaches. Oh, really? Yes, (laughs) absolutely. So they, they have like their, their degree to do therapy and then they also have their licensing for life coaching. Okay. Well, that's why I'm seeing so much overlap between my therapist and my mom. I'm like, you guys are using the same techniques on me right now. This is not fair. (laughs) (laughs) You can't get away from it. (laughs) No, I absolutely cannot. Ever since she got that certificate and my stepdad got it too, it's unavoidable. We'll be like having a normal conversation. And I'm like, yeah, I had a tough day at school. And my stepdad will be like, how did that make you feel? And how do you plan on moving ahead through that? And I'm like, you're literally coaching me right now. Stop that. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> I just want you to validate, empathize, and relate to me right now. I need you to be a therapist, not a life coach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that I think that's something that maybe we make mistakes with as parents. Like when, when kids come into my programs, I coach the parents on this is what your job is through this process. And the job of a parent is to really empathize with the child or the teen and understand that any thought that a child or teen thinks is okay. Like it's not our job to judge the thought as a parent. The other thing is that emotions, they're universal. They don't discriminate. So any feeling is okay also. And just helping your child know that whatever you're thinking is okay and valid and whatever you're feeling is okay and valid. And another thing that we need to do as parents, especially with our teens, is we need to relate more instead of like rushing our kids through the emotion and telling them like, hey, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. They didn't mean anything, but really help them to feel the emotion and then understand that the parent themselves has felt that emotion also. Yeah. Right. And that, that creates more connection knowing that the parent can understand an emotion. And maybe the same thing didn't happen to the parent, but the emotions are the same. And that's where we can connect with our teens is like helping the teen realize that there's nothing wrong with feeling an emotion and it's going to happen for the rest of your life. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. The times where I felt most comfortable sharing emotions with my parents was like when I went through a breakup, a really hard breakup. And my mom was like, I had the exact same thing when I was your age and it was really, really hard for me. And I don't know how to help you right now. I just know that it's hard and I'm here. And I was like, that's exactly what I needed. Like those are the best ways to help a teen. And then it also depends on the teen though. And it depends on the situation. Yes. (laughs) But yeah, generally being able to provide empathy is the most important. Um, So you talked a lot about anxiety, which it definitely has run through my family. And I know that specifically something that everybody struggles with is social anxiety, which I used to have the worst social anxiety ever. And the majority of my friend group has really, really bad social anxiety. And I know that that's not something that you are an expert in, but something that you know a lot about. Tell me your tips and tricks on how to work through social anxiety. Tell me how you see social anxiety, what it is to you. Very broad question. Yeah, no, um, I gotcha. I'm going to dive right in. (laughs) So really, 
social anxiety is the most common form of anxiety. And that's why we see it so much. And it also develops a lot of times in the teen years. You guys kind of have a double whammy right there. Like it shows up in your teen years and it's the most common. And so for the purpose of the conversation today, like maybe I can explain to you a little bit about what social anxiety is, what it looks like, and then maybe some tools that I can share with you guys and the listeners on how to work through social anxiety. And, um, Social anxiety, it's, it's very different from being shy and it's different from being an introvert. And um, those things kind of get put together and it's really not the same. So I just wanted to make that clarification, but social anxiety is more of intense fear of rejection. And I don't say just maybe like a little bit of fear, like it really is so intense where you just constantly feel like the spotlight is on you. Everybody's talking about you. People are saying stuff about you. Every like look that somebody does, or maybe somebody's talking to somebody else, like your brain makes all the social cues in your life mean something about you. And that's typically why we have a lot of issues just because we don't read social cues very well. <laughs> so it's a little bit hard to like make friends or go out of our comfort zone just because we're reading everything wrong. We're perceiving things to be happening that maybe aren't really happening. Um, so social anxiety is kind of like a conspiracy theory. <laughs> Okay. Okay. (laughs) Like a self-fulfilling conspiracy theory, right? So say like I am walking into the lunchroom and then I see somebody looking at me. My brain with social anxiety will throw something in there like they're mad at me. (laughs) And our brain will do everything it can with social anxiety to prove that thought is true. Okay. So like if you have the thought going into the lunchroom and you see somebody looking at you and your brain's like, oh my gosh, that person's mad at me. Then what our brain then starts to do is look at all the reasons why that person could be mad at you, what you said earlier on in the day, like maybe you didn't say hi to them in a class or maybe you were supposed to give your lunch to them, or maybe you forgot to text them last night. (laughs) Social anxiety takes any circumstance in your life and it makes it about you. (laughs) And social anxiety, it's actually a bully. Social anxiety tells us so many lies and it really like, it's a form of letting our brains and our anxiety take control over our lives and really actually torture ourselves and beat ourselves up. So... There are many ways to deal with actual bullies. Like, go tell a teacher that somebody's bullying you. If you were to go tell a teacher, like, hey, my brain is bullying me. Can you help me, please? That wouldn't work. (laughs) Um, How do you recommend dealing with social anxiety? Because it's really, yeah, it's not an easy thing. And I have no idea where to even start. Yeah. Well, let me tell you. Are you ready? Okay. okay. Lay it on me. <laughs> okay. So um, there's quite a few things that we can do when it comes to social anxiety. Um, the first is really kind of working with that bully in your head. So if we went back to the lunchroom example and we're walking into the lunchroom and our brain is telling us that person's mad at you or everybody's staring at you 
or you're not going to have anybody to eat lunch with. Or if you're going to a party, social anxiety will be like, you're the only person that doesn't know anybody there, or you don't belong there, or nobody wants you there, or like all these things, right? The first step really is figuring out what are the lies that your social anxiety is telling you? Okay. And there's probably a whole bunch of lies inside your brain when you're having social anxiety. And the thing is, is anxiety really takes to use the words everybody or all the people or (laughs) just like really, really broad words that make things seem believable. The first part is just really figuring out what are the lies? So then the second part is like really figuring out what are the facts? of the situation. So maybe the facts of the situation are when you walk into the lunchroom, three people are staring at you. Not everybody, right? And maybe if you go to a party, maybe two of those people actually know each other. Maybe everybody else doesn't know each other. Or like if somebody's whispering to some other person, the fact of that situation is like, you really have no idea what they're saying. (laughs) Right. Right. And the percentage that they're actually talking about you, the probability is like very, very low. Exactly. Right. So yeah, that's the second part is just really figuring out, okay, what are the facts and questioning those lies that social anxiety tells you. And then the third part of that process is really just asking yourself, what else is possible in this scenario or in this situation? So back to the lunchroom example, when you're walking into the lunchroom, well, maybe three people are staring at you because they like your shirt or they think your outfit is cute or maybe they want to know where you got your shoes Maybe they're like wanting to talk to you or say hi to you. There's so many other possibilities of what could actually happen or be going on inside people's brains rather than them like whispering about you or saying something bad about you or not liking the way that you look or anything like that. So it's really just kind of training your brain to look at things from a different perspective and be like, okay, yes, this is one tiny possibility But there's so many other possibilities here about what could really be going on inside somebody else's brain, or they could actually like just really like me, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's the third part. Um, One of the things that I've decided in my life is that whenever anybody looks at me and I'm out and about places, I've just decided that they think I look cute. Yep. End of story. Same thing. That is exactly (laughs) how I got over my social anxiety. Okay. Yeah. So like if somebody's staring at me, I'm like, oh, they think I look cute. Yeah. And, and instead of letting my brain go to the worst possible situation, which is like, I'm doing something wrong or they don't like my outfit or they're judging me or they think I look like I just got out of bed or, you know, right. (laughs) I look fat in this shirt. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they're probably not even thinking any of those thoughts at all. Yeah. Yeah. I've really worked hard on not making that circumstance mean anything about me and who I am, unless it's positive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is exactly what I've done. At one point for like six months or a year, I dressed like super outrageously over the top, super goth for a while, super formal for no reason for a while. So whenever I saw somebody staring at me, I'd be like, it's just my clothes. It's not actually about me. 
Yeah. Because it's just my clothes. So, like, whatever. And now I wear sweats, like, every day. And so whenever somebody's staring at me, my brain is still just, like, they're just looking at you for your clothes. Yeah. Or your nails. Your nails are super cute. I also (laughs) always get my nails done. Yeah. (laughs) I could stare at those all day. (laughs) I know, right? Me too. (laughs) But I like the way that you reframed that, where they're just staring at your clothes. It has nothing to do with who you are and how valuable you are and how awesome and amazing you are. Like, they're literally just staring at your cool outfit. Literally. Yeah. That's exactly how I had to do it was I would dress this sounds weird, but not for myself for a little while. So that, like, if somebody was staring at me, I wouldn't get offended if they didn't like my clothes because they weren't necessarily me in quotations. Um, and kind of trained my brain to not assume the negative, which when I say it out loud, I'm like, that sounds impossible. And I couldn't really tell you how in the world I got it to do that. <laughs> Cause I used to be like the most self-conscious child ever. Like I was bullied incessantly. And now I have a lot of confidence. And I have no idea how I got it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that it's the clothes, (laughs) like what I just did. No. So I'm going to tell you how you got it. You retrained your brain. You rewired your brain. And that's that's really what coaching and therapy helps you do is like, really, your brain is neuroplastic. And so we can change our brain and we can change our thoughts inside our brains. And so if we continually think a thought over and over again, then that will be something that stays in our brains. And it kind of gets almost like an auto thought where once that gets like rewired in your brain, then that's your go-to thought. And it's really the work that you've put in and the things that you've done. Like, let's give yourself some credit here, right? Right. Yeah. No, I mean, yes. It's just like, I didn't even consciously, purposely do that. I think it was the therapist that I have and having my mom as a life coach, just the subconscious messages that they were sending, I was able to figure it out and (laughs) find a way through. Yeah. Um, I have two more things that really help with anxiety. Do you want me to wrap up with those two things? Yeah, that sounds perfect. All right. Okay. Hit me. (laughs) So then the last two things that I have to really help anybody with social anxiety is self-confidence. The more self-confident you are, the the less socially anxious you will be. So really building up your self-confidence, um, knowing the things that you are good at and, um, really making sure the opinions that you have about yourself are good opinions inside your brain. That's probably like one of the most important ways <laughs> to, to fight social anxiety. And then I would say the last um, thing that I have to help combat social anxiety is really to make sure you are defining yourself and not relying on other people to define you. Like you, you really have two choices in life. You can one, rely on other people to tell you who you are and who you need to be. Or two, you get to decide who you are and what you want to be. And so making sure that you're making intentional choices in your life to be that person instead of like relying on other people in your life to tell you like 
who, who they think you want to be, right? Or trying to be a person that you think somebody else wants you to be, but really that's not you. You know, being intentional about who you are and making sure that you tell people who you are instead of them telling you who you are. I don't know if this, if that makes sense. I, I think I got it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a really, really good message to leave off on of like, be who you want to be, not who you think you need to be. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Okay. So tell me where we can find your podcast, website, Instagram, all of the above. <laughs> Yeah. So my podcast, it's the Teen Life Coach Podcast, and it's on all podcast platforms. And then I'm the same on Instagram, the Teen Life Coach. My website is knowingup.com, kind of like growing up, but um, knowing up. So K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Sammy. I had so much fun. Thanks, Abby. Yeah. Yeah.